What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. to the future but embrace our past we study we analyze we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday we exercise trial and error religiously through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
from Grundle. Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallo Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hey, Big MX listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Really appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, I'd love some feedback if you could. Um, please email me at bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the podcast. Tell me what you want to hear, who you want to hear from, and uh, I'll try and do my best to uh, to just bring you guys the best content as frequently as possible. And uh, if you guys give me some hints as to what you might want to hear, uh, then that just makes my job just that little bit much easier. And then I, I know I'm bringing you guys what you want. On this particular episode, a huge treasure – it's, it's a treat for me to uh, to bring on – Ernesto Fonseca, a guy who I looked up to growing up, a guy who uh, I feel was ripped away from us uh, at very untimely. Uh, his injury obviously ended his career, um, but uh, the guy still stayed upbeat and very positive, and I've, I've been like a huge inspiration to me. So uh, Fonseca is a great interview. I was supposed to talk to him for 20 minutes. We ended up talking for 40 minutes, which is uh, just a bonus for you guys. And I really appreciate uh, him coming on the show and giving us some time. And uh, as you hear, I think we're going to have to have him on again uh, in the future to uh, to chit-chat and just uh, kind of pick his brain about some things because there's a ton of things that we never even talked about. Uh, but anyway... Please enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you could, uh, like I don't charge for these podcasts, but if you could like, if you could uh, rate us on iTunes as well as leaving a review, that's how we get uh, more viewers and we get a, a higher rating on iTunes. So if you could please do that, that'd be a huge favor to me. Just write me a quick review. Tell them what you think. If if uh, if some suggestions, just let me know. But uh, here it is, my interview with Ernesto Fonseca. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF. With us on the line, a very special guest, a winner of this race coming up this weekend in Daytona on a 125 in 1999, quite some time ago, but we still love him. Ernesto Fonseca, how's it going, my friend? Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Just um, enjoying uh, retired life from motocross, you know, yes. but not not by choice, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm great, man. Thanks for asking. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, making some time for us first thing in the morning. We really appreciate you uh, uh, just allowing us to pick your brain a little bit because uh, you had an amazing career in within the sport of motocross, and also you've you've kept a, a watchful eye on it uh, since uh, being being forced into retirement uh, due to your injury. Um, and it, it's just uh, having a guy like you on is is always a pleasure for me because honestly, Ernie, uh, you're a guy that I really looked up to growing up. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, like you said. I mean, I'm, I um, I'm pretty happy with how my career went. You know, a couple uh, things here and there that I felt like I couldn't accomplish, but you know, that's uh, that's part of life, I guess. I mean, we always want to 
uh, or at least, you know, most people, I think, always want to win and want to do their best. And uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't always go the way you want. But, um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm happy. And, uh, you know, I for the most part, I, I made some great people along the way, built some great relationships. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the uh, motocross industry. And I feel that, um, you know, it was definitely a great experience, you know, being involved in a sport for. 21 years it was definitely a, a long time absolutely and i think if you asked uh, the majority of motocross racers uh if, if they could switch out their uh career for yours i think oh, there's a lot of guys that would do so in a heartbeat uh, many a, a race win uh, a lot of great factory bikes and uh, like you said a ton of great people that you met over the years uh included like t- teammates like uh, nathan ramsey ricky carmichael um Stefan Roncata, you, you, you raced with some of the best, and, uh, and, and I think you also, you'd be lumped in there with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, I, uh, uh, you know, Sebastian and Jeremy and, right. and Andrew Short, I mean, there was a ton of, ton of great people, and um, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm honored, and I feel lucky that, uh, that I was involved in, uh, you know, in, in, in great teams with uh, great people. For sure. So uh, before we get into uh, talking about uh, so, some some races from yesteryear or, or talking about the series, what are you up to now? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, about three years ago I started doing some wheelchair racing, and uh, well, actually, I you know I started doing a triathlon just because I I don't know I, I felt that uh, that I wanted to try it, and uh, I did that, and then after you know it, it's too much planning and, and too much stuff. I, I have to bring, you know, my own daily chair and a bicycle and a racing wheelchair and, and plan and I don't sweat. And so there's way too many things involved and kind of got a little bit over that because I was racing against myself too. So I um, started doing just wheelchair racing, man. And for the most part, that's kind of what I've been focusing on. So um, that's that's kind of what takes most of my time. For sure. Like, uh, how do you compare the uh, the dedication and the the, the training regiment and just the and the fun factor of racing uh, racing your chair uh, in, like in a cross section to racing uh, a motocross bike? <laughs> well, you know, for the most part, I can I can tell you that it's a lot less stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine. Uh, you know, I think uh, the uh, penalization factor is a lot less. You know, I, I feel that. In, in Supercross, you have to be so on it all the time, and, and you know, it's definitely, it's just, you, you can't really make a mistake, it's 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 a hard sport, it's tough, I mean, but, um, yeah, so, that that's probably the, the biggest thing, um, but, you know, in, in, other, in other things, it's it's a little similar, I mean, I think, uh, and I feel that in, in motocross, I mean, maybe not a lot of people with, with agree with me, but, um, man, I think you have to find a, a balance setup, something that works and it's when it works pretty good. I, you know, I think I'm the type of rider that I, you know, you know, I hear some people say that they blame that the bike is not working. My set, my setup is not very good, this and that. But I think I feel that, you know, um, like they say, I, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, um, It's for the most part the writer that makes that makes oh, sure. uh, the you know the the bigger difference and uh, you like I said you know you have to have somewhat of a good setup of course 
But if you're in a factory team or if you have the right people around you, you know, they're not going to let you steer the wrong way. Absolutely. And, and honestly, uh, I put it in the perspective of uh, if you put me on the saddle of any of those factory bikes, that's not really going to increase my speed whatsoever. Maybe the uh, maybe a little bit stronger front brake might help me coming into the corners a little hotter. Maybe a little bit of extra cu- power coming out of the corners might, uh, might uh, help me make a couple of passes. But for the most part, I, I might gain a half a second. But if you put any of those guys including yourself back in the day uh, on on my KTM 252 stroke they'll do unspeakable things on an absolutely stock machine that they have no they have like they've never been on it before uh, and, and and probably beat my lap times by between 20 and 30 seconds um, proving that it is it's a, it's the rider it's it's the guy who's preparing uh, and, and can just uh, go out there and make it happen yeah I mean I think uh, you know, even at our level, I think that sometimes the factories can steer can steer the wrong way just because you know they want to make the bikes so so you know so perfect and so fast and and so and light. I think they're using all kinds of tie that they might not even need. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know about about the, the lightness part. You know, I probably wouldn't really go against it, but True. it's just so so powerful that it, it you know at some point it it becomes a little bit tougher to ride and it's something maybe that's unnecessary but um yeah i mean it's just a matter of all being you know synchronized and kind of everyone on the same page and having good communication and knowing what you feel that might work best for you i think that's that's the biggest part so i think uh having experienced people and and you know having someone that understands and 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 i think uh knows kind of you know what what you need to to, to maximize your, your potential, I think it's probably a, a big key. So uh, as, a, uh, as now a fan of motocross, a person who probably, you, you, I imagine you, you watch the races uh, uh, on Saturday nights, I imagine, yes? Yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit, I, I wouldn't say. And, and now that it's kind of, you know, maybe uh, it's thinned out a little bit, I, I haven't really been on top of it so much. You know, I'm sure everyone is probably mentioned you know but it seems like the guys are not very consistent you know if we've had somebody like ryan dungy or yeah i think they'd be, they'd be right up there battling with uh with jason but uh you know i, I mean i don't want to take anything away from jason he's been great and i think uh you know he's definitely the main contender and and i think he's probably going to be that guy that's gonna end up winning the title Absolutely. Not to discredit his championship lead whatsoever, but I seriously feel that uh, at this particular time in 2018, Jason Anderson may have taken a half, ha- half step forward from last year, but it seems like everyone around him has taken three steps back uh, or just like been uh, uncharacteristically un. Um, Unconsistent, inconsistent, and um, it, it's it's kind of it's really handed him a lead now that uh, if he's not feeling it, he can back it off, get a, a third or a fourth, and uh, and go on to the next weekend knowing that he's got this thing under control. Yeah, I mean it's 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 easy to say too for for us that we're outsiders, of course, you know. But uh, because I've been in the I've been you know in, in kind of both both. Uh, both situations, you know, being outside and as a, as a fan, and then being a rider, and uh, you know, maybe sometimes we're a little unfair trying to, um, you know, judge these guys. Or, or, but anyways, aside from that, I think uh, you know that's that's what that's what we get 
you know, or that's what the writers get paid for. And uh, you have to be on it. I mean, uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it seems like Jason has really excelled and everyone really has kind of made more mistakes and they haven't really been on, on top of their game. But, you know, it's just kind of sad because it, you would think that at that level there would be, you know, I don't know, four or five or six guys that would be battling for that rather than just one. For sure. And, and I think that uh, this this year is kind of, it's got to have a little bit of an asterisk on it, uh, like rolling in um, with, like, I don't think Ken Roxon was exactly where he would hope to have been rolling into the season uh, I, as far as uh, – Eli Tomac is concerned. I, I don't think any like anyone expected him to have such a like. I think in the first six races he went DNF, DNS, one, one, fifteen. So like uh, that that is uh, totally just just a weird scenario. And then and that's not by anybody's fault, but by other than I guess his own or just bad luck. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, kind of let the air out of the, out of the championship, and and it, it seems like everyone in everyone in second place in the points uh, gets hurt. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I that's something really a professional guy shouldn't really be in that situation. Like, yeah. like you said, Eli. I mean, he's either he wins or or he does or he DNFs, and and I think that uh, man, it's just it's it's really. I, I really don't know and haven't really been paying too much attention to to kind of what what um what the reasons are because you know it's it's none none of my none of my business. I'm just a fan, so but um it's definitely uh crappy for the fans because we don't wanna see that, you know. Um but aside from that, I uh yeah, I mean uh, just my uh my hat off to to Jason because he's been on it. I mean, he's been pretty consistent, and uh, that shows. You know, he has a, I think, a forty-plus point lead going into Daytona, and I think we already crossed the halfway point. So, um, man, I, he should be smart and probably getting a couple more wings along the way. And uh, I feel that, uh, you know, it's well deserved for the best guy. Definitely, he's carried that that uh, red plate for quite some time now, and I think he's going to continue all the way to Las Vegas. Um, and, and if they would have had a red plate in 1999, so would have you, um, Ernesto. There's not too many people that can say they won uh, their their first Supercross, their second Supercross, their third Supercross, their fourth Supercross, fifth and or uh, sixth and seventh Supercross. Um, explain yourself. Yeah, man, that was uh, <laughs> that. That was uh, definitely a, a dream come true, and it was, uh, you know, like you said, it it, it kind of seems like every, every, you know, once I won the first race and won the second one and won the third one, then you realize that it's not really by luck, and and you know, you kind of start getting a lot of confidence, and I think when you're in that position, I think that um, you know, things start clicking and, and, and they just become easier rather than, than uh, you know, and you start having more fun and, and kind of when things are going that way, just kind of things just happen really. You, you don't really have to worry about it too much. I think uh, when when things don't go your way and, and uh, when it becomes a little bit tough, I think it's when you really have to find out and, and kind of have to have that uh, competitor and, and, and um, 
you know, uh, the athlete and, and, and kind of start battling against things. I think that's when you realize and you want to make, you know, have the best uh, writer out of you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a, a great rookie season and, and, uh, and, you know, as, as time went by, then, you know, things got a little bit harder and there was more competitors, better writers, I think. And, and, um, you know, uh, me and racing against Ricky and being around him and kind of knowing, you know, what, what he did and what his strengths were. And, and, uh, man, he really had, he, he really had no weaknesses. And, um, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's needless to say, I mean, everyone really that that's involved in the sport knows and, and, and how great he was. And, uh, man, it was tough. It was tough to be around a guy that, um, he was just a warrior, man. Totally. I think there's, uh, there's more than a few guys that would have registered a win uh, at the, the 250 level, if not for that red-haired little guy. But uh, nevertheless, um, nearly a perfect season for you in 99. Uh, the only one that got away from you was, uh, was Pontiac, but you still ended up second place. Um, like, uh, I, I wish I would have had an opportunity to watch that race uh, prior to, to calling you up this morning. But uh, what, what do you remember about Pontiac and Brock Sellers getting uh, one spot ahead of you? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I remember that race. I got the whole shot and was leading and Nick, uh, took me wide on a corner and I crashed and I don't remember if he crashed or not. I don't think he did, but anyways, he did, no. so, uh, you know, ended up crashing and got up and got going, but you know, we were close and, and Brock, uh, had a little bit of a gap so I can really make up any more time. And, um, you know, that was, uh, the one race that got away from me, man, but, you know, uh, besides that, uh, I, like you said, I ended up, I still ended up getting second and did really good in the other races. So, you know, I, I, I had a great 99 season and, um, and then, uh, yeah, from there it went on that my second season was a little bit of a disaster, but I think it's part of racing and, and, um, you know, I, uh, that's the way it went. It went, you know. I, I got injured at the end of dirt, and that's where Donovan get Donovan Mitchell uh, um, became paralyzed. And you know, we were. It was like a pretty pretty big crash with a lot of guys that were involved. And and then I just didn't really have a good off season. You know, I I was I had some nerve damage in my shoulder. I couldn't really prepare and get ready for that. So, like I said, I mean, that's the way it went down. I, I wish it would have never really happened because I think I would have been really prepared and ready with a lot of confidence and I would have been able to battle Travis and and um, kind of, you know, kept that amateur um, rivalry that we had all along uh, when we were young. No kidding. The two of you guys uh, battled tooth and nail in the amateurs and then uh, in, in the pro class, uh, in, in pro supercross, I, like the, the fact is like that, that particular year uh, you rolled in unprepared or, or not able to, uh, to ride at your true potential. And then uh, the two of you didn't see uh, much of each other uh, after that. You going basically straight to the 250 class shortly after that while he stayed on the 125. Um, I guess maybe you, you bumped back down for, uh, for one more uh, outdoor round or outdoor series on, on the 125 but uh yeah for the most part that was that was it for you for you and travis battling yeah uh, i mean um you know it's that's more on him <laughs> i think i think we kind of just uh 
like you said, I mean, I, I then then I, I raced my my third. Uh, you know, I ended up winning one race in two thousand, uh, and then in two thousand one, I, I I had a you know a great season again, and then after that, I switched to to Honda. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, my first year was okay, and then I think uh, I don't know maybe. The bike wasn't really our bike wasn't really the best. I think the Yamaha was quite a bit better, and uh, you know, I think uh, there's no it's no secret. I mean, Ricky almost went crazy when Chad won the last seven races of that season. And uh, man, yeah, our our bike was lacking a little bit of uh, a couple of things. I think bottom and and maybe some torque and stuff. And man, we just uh, we just struggled, and and um, and then I think. Uh, after that was kind of like when the four-stroke era started rolling around, and we were kind of between um, between um, the the 450 and the 250. And Ricky suffered his uh, ACL that he didn't race the um, the Supercross season that year. And then I had some injuries also. I you know hurt my knee as well. And and um, yeah, from there on, I think uh, you know we just battled a couple of the same situation that some of the guys are going through right now, but um, it's part of the sport. I think you know it's 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 tough being a elite athlete and and always to be on top of your game and and uh, man, it's it's a tough season. You have to be on it for sixteen rounds of Supercross and I don't know how many races for outdoors, but something similar, I believe. And and it's uh, it definitely takes a toll on on uh, you know on on a human's body. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entiknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better feel up with the nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a that's what i used to think now i start every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us Man, but more than bikes, what 
cereal these Amigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand-new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have depth-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey, Big MX listeners, just wanted to take a moment to uh, let you guys know about Viral Brand and Viral Brand Goggles. Uh, Viral Brand Goggles are a relatively new company, and we've been working with them for about a year now, and uh, they've got some really cool things going on, which include uh, not only when you buy a pair of goggles, you will not only get a goggle bag, which of course you get with most goggle bags, but uh, with most goggles rather, but uh, you'll also get tear-offs, you get a 10-pack of tear-offs, and you also get an extra clear lens to go along with your mirrored lens than uh, the tinted lens that the goggles come with. Uh, so it's kind of a more, of a more of a package than it is just a set of goggles, which if you're going to buy goggles, you're going to need an extra lens, you're going to need tear-offs. So they take care of all that stuff for you, and uh, $74.99 US is uh, an easy asking price. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee. If uh, their best fit challenge, if your goggles don't fit your helmet within the first 30 days, get them back to Viral, for uh, and, and they'll take care of you, no questions asked. Uh, so check out the, the theviralbrand.com today and uh and and see what the kind of products and the uh, the accessories that they've got i love the goggles myself and uh can't wait to see you guys enjoying them as well take care oh for sure i, I i've talked to the talked about this with some of the the top trainers in the sport um for the most part, the motocross off season has now been reduced to uh, maybe a couple of weeks off, a road ride uh, uh, it, like pl- thrown in there somewhere, and then for the most like like not to d- discredit the like the the training these guys do, but it's basically a sixty day fit challenge. It's 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 trying to like see how fit you can get in sixty days, and then once you're in the, once you're in the season, it's all maintenance after that. You're you're riding, you're working on some stuff, you work on starts, but it, like and then you're doing your recovery rides and stuff like that but for the most part all of their gains all of their like what they're rolling into the season in uh in with is, is done in the october november uh time and, and like that that just seems not that doesn't seem like enough time for me yeah i just you know i feel that uh it's just too um too little too little of a break i think and it's just too long of a series 
and for what the guys are making, you know, and, and I think, uh, man, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's hard to be on top of your game for all those races all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, even when you have a, a little bit, of, a little bit of an off season, you have to, you have the, the European racer races and that some people do because, you know, it's, it's a good bonus and, and, you know, you get paid really good. And then on top of that, you know, you have to do the monster energy cup. And so it's like, really, there's really no off season. Um, I think you kind of just have to, to be um, really strict about what you want to do and how, you know, like have the, the main goals clear and, and be ready for the, for the super, super cross season that it's the series and it's what the factories want you to win. And, uh, so concentrate on that and, and, and make the most out of it. For sure. Now, uh, during your career, um, did you see a, a bit of a, sw- a shift as far as the importance that teams were putting on supercrosses as opposed to outdoors? I feel like uh, in the 90s, the, the, the outdoor title was still very much regarded as the most prestigious title. Uh, I, I don't think that could be said the same today. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, I feel it was kind of similar still. You know, I think, uh, you know, I would say if you ask me, it's like 70, 30, you know, uh, yeah. outdoors, pay, outdoors pays goods and bonuses are pretty, pretty good. I mean, uh, it's, it's somewhat similar, you know, like contract wise, I, I think, but, but I think to the factories is definitely, there's more value in Supercross, you know, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, for me, I, I felt that. I, I was I was better in Supercross at the beginning of my career, and then kind of started shifting there towards the end, and and I kind of got better at outdoors. But um, yeah, you know, I um, I think it was it's it's really it, I don't think it's changed much. You know, I think Supercross still the most important one. Absolutely, it gets the gets the eyeballs, and uh, it's definitely I find that probably the most relatable to fans. I, I've tried to like uh, like. When I when I show like I always kind of my litmus test is if I show a girlfriend uh, an outdoor or or a, a supercross they can usually they'll, they're excited about supercross they understand supercross but uh, to try and get someone to sit down that doesn't know the sport to sit down for two thirty five minute plus two uh, motos uh, that's that's usually a recipe for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think when you know unless you've been a diehard fan and have been involved in the sport to really understand you know what goes into into the preparation and and uh, and how hard it is uh, for somebody that doesn't know their sport. I think it's it's quite complicated, and they really don't they don't care for it very much. But uh, man, I think you have to be involved and and be around you know supercross or or motocross or dirt bikes to really understand and know how difficult it is and and you know what what goes all all into the preparation for. For being for being the best at it, absolute and and you were one of the best at it, my friend, an absolute legend in the sport and a winner at Daytona. We're coming up to this this weekend. Um, I actually kind of noticed that uh, your your season is in a way kind of bookended by Daytona. A win there in 1999, uh, literally 19 years ago today, you would have been uh, waking up uh, after a celebration of that win and. Uh, in, in 2006, uh, you would have been preparing for this race uh, when you got hurt. Yes, yes. Actually, I remember we were yeah we were testing to get ready for this race, and um, yeah, I mean, 
Dan, Daytona is, is definitely, I, I would say, one of the toughest races of the season. Um, I, you know, it's it's like a outdoor supercross, and man, the track gets so rough, and and um, you know, it's it's so sandy, it's hot, and and you know, it's you definitely have to be on top of your game to go at it and be strong for those twenty minutes. Now, I, I, so I think it was even harder before then because it was twenty. 20 laps so yeah. it didn't matter how long the lap was you still had to go to 20 laps and now it's just 20 minutes but man uh yeah i think no matter what it's it's definitely a challenging race for sure like uh speak to to racing this thing on a 125 uh probably a very potent one at that uh, at that point was it still a 30-man field or uh where had they had they broken it down to 20 you know i don't know i i think uh if we if we go if we go about it I I can we can break it down and two two heat races and they took nine so nine and nine is eighteen and then four out of the four four yeah, out I guess of the twenty two James Pavolny got in there dead last yeah <laughs> that so, year yeah. you beat I, out Ron Cotta, your teammate <laughs> but uh, yeah so I think um, like so it was a 22, 22 man race. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, even in the in the lights class, you could get a little bit away with, you know, lighter bike and and only fifteen laps and stuff. But um, the the four fifty class is definitely there was a, a man's race, man. It's those bikes are, are heavier, and you got to go the twenty laps. And track is even more rough from the from the you know lights riding before, so. It's uh, it's tough all the way around. For sure, like uh, r- racing it on a on a two fifty two stroke, which you did uh, a number of times. Uh, the, actually, in in '06 would have been your your first time racing it on the four fifty. Um, where were you guys uh, training for that thing? Uh, were you at Ricky's uh, getting ready, or were you in SoCal when you got hurt? Uh, when I got hurt, I was in uh, I was in California. Okay. Uh, in the past, I had I think one or two years before I had gotten ready. For this race at Ricky's, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, no matter which way you look at it, I think it was uh, a challenging race. That that you know, the the race was super hard because uh, of the conditions, and uh, you had to be ready, man. It was uh, it was definitely uh, like I said uh, for me, one of the toughest races of the season. For sure, like uh, speak speak to racing this thing on a, a CR two fifty oh oh two oh three uh, and oh four. You race that thing on a, a on the CR two fifty two stroke. Um, very challenging track, very challenging uh, terrain. I believe you got two seventh and an eleventh. Um, seemed like every single year you ended up uh, battling with uh, uh, either. Uh, Sebastian or uh, or with Travis Preston, uh, what was it like uh, battling those guys? Yeah, it was tough. I think uh, maybe Nathan Ramsey also right. uh, in there. Man, um, you know, I think uh, when the the first couple of years, you know, uh, on the two fifty class, uh, we had, you know, it was either battling with with Nathan Roncada maybe fairy sometimes and I think we're all pretty close and um, it kind of just depends on you know what were our strength, strengths and what were our weaknesses um, for me I, I felt like I always struggled in the whoops and I could never really um, you know like 
if, if the track had uh, a whoop section that it was suited for me or, or it was easier for me, then I would do better rather than, than you know, if, if, I, if I was struggling more through the whoops, then uh, the guys had a little bit more um, on me and, and I had to, you know, try to make it up somewhere else. So I think uh, that was one of the things. And then, you know, after a certain time, it kind of just, it gets in your head a little bit and you're like, man, you know, it kind of everything revolved around what, you know, what you were good at and, and what you weren't. So um, then, you know, also, I think I remember we had some problems with like clutches and things like that. So there was a couple of things here and there that I think uh, were factors on, you know, how your performance was going to be um, during the weekend. And, um, you know, we had a, a little a little group that was pretty close, like you said, Sebastian, myself, Ramsey, um, Pastrana, and, and um, you know, from there on, uh, it, you know, it might have changed a couple here and there, but... But uh, you kind of know where you stood. For sure, no, absolutely, and uh, and where you stood, honestly, where right at the end of your career was uh, honestly right on on the podium a lot of times, um, being the last uh, two two stroke two fifty uh, two fifty two stroke to uh, to uh, achieve a podium uh, in, in an outdoor. I believe uh, that was Glen Helen of two thousand and five. Um, like yeah, uh, that, that was, that not, was a, sorry, that was in a four fifty. That was on a 450. Oh, it has it listed, yeah. it has it listed one, on a 252 stroke. The one, the last podium on a two stroke was a Binghamton. Uh, okay. Me and, me and Sebastian crashed on the last lap. Yeah. So lap. I can't even remember. I think it was maybe 04. Okay. The year. And, uh, okay. Yeah, and you know, I, I it got tough. I mean, I can tell you probably on the on the in the last season, I, I just. I felt like my career was coming to an end when, you know, I, I, I got off the track and I remember telling my mechanic, Jason Haynes, you know, Gothic J that, man, I, I'm just struggling. I don't even know if I need to be out here because, you know, the whoops were so big, man. It was like almost impossible to, to get through those things. And um, I remember, you know, whole shotting that main event and, and leading for eight laps and I just, I wasn't in, you know, I, I wasn't really, I don't know if, if that, if I wasn't, um, in it or, or I, I just wasn't prepared, but it was just such a weird weekend because I, I felt like crap the whole weekend and then leading the race for eight laps and kind of just waiting for everyone to come around me really, because I'm like, man, what am I doing here? And, and, and I felt, you know, watching the race on TV later, I felt like, man, if I would have just maybe been better in a couple of places here and there, I, I, I might've done a little bit better. But I think this is just part of the sport, man. It's 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 so demanding and it's so tough and and so hard and and uh, you know it's it was it was definitely uh, um, interesting, but uh, at the same time, really hard hard to swallow. Absolutely, no. It's it seems like uh, you, you're um, uh, right on the cusp of, of getting one of those wins in the 250 class. Unfortunately, you didn't check off that box, which I am sure is kind of one of those things for you that's uh, um, it maybe something that I wouldn't say you lose sleep over it, but I, I like I don't know. It's it's uh, it's it's a shame that you didn't end up getting that because you were a, a powerhouse guy in the sport, rattling off uh, many a podiums, top five finishes uh, that in in two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, 
Like, uh, was is is that one of the things that uh, when your career came to an abrupt end, you were I wouldn't say bitter about, but maybe just disappointed in? Yeah, you know, it it definitely um, it, it it was on my ma- on my mind for for a long time, and I felt that man, I just one of those things that I wanted to to accomplish and I never did. But you know, as you grow older, I mean, what what are you going to do? You're not, you know, I, I can't. I'm not going to race anymore and I can't change it and you know it is what it is um and and I think uh you know after time goes by and you kind of sit back and you you know analyze or or you see who you were racing at the time and how deep the field was and the competition was hard and you know I I went there and I tried my best I, I it wasn't like you were just going out there to go through the motions and and um and I, I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty content with how my career went. You know, I know <laughs> Ricky, is, Ricky always, you know, we would, we would battle and, and we would, you know, we would train together and stuff. And he'd always argue with me because, you know, I always felt that, man, he just, he overdid it. And to me, you know, we're both different guys. And, and he was always hard on me saying like, man, you don't, you know, you don't work hard enough, this and that. But man, I was I was giving it all I had, you know, and and, and you know maybe what worked for him was doing what he did, but uh, I can tell you that uh, you know it, it was also fatiguing just to being around and, and going through the same program as what he did, and and you know I don't think it worked for for everyone, you know it might have like I said it might have worked for him, but necessarily not for for some of the guys that were that were around his program. I think it was a positive thing, for sure. Like I, I know you probably got some some pretty interesting stories about uh, training with the number four. Like I was uh, um, an absolute hammerhead out there, and uh, and maybe didn't do it all on skill, but definitely uh, all on heart. Yeah, I I mean uh, I think uh, you know he needed that for his for to be strong mentally and 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 to be on top of his aim. I think. I think if if Ricky just didn't if things didn't go well one day and he couldn't ride, it was definitely uh, something that he lo- he would lose sleep over. <laughs> and I think for you know for some of us, I think uh, we could have benefited a little bit a little bit more having some some time off. And you know, I I think uh, probably a good example is back in the day. I mean, JMB. You know, uh, yeah. I think uh, his the way of doing things and you know it was different era and you can go about different you know a bunch of different theories i mean i think uh not everyone's the same not everything works for all the guys i mean you definitely have to have somewhat of a program and and uh, put your time in and and you know have your hard days and and really you know not do it all on talent but at the same time it's got to be a, a well balanced and you got to have fun and and you know, I mean, um, JMB was a great one, man. He he accomplished and he did a lot, and had fun uh, doing it. Yeah, and and you know, he was a he was a bad dude. I think uh, then Jeremy came around, and I think Jeremy's another perfect example of of uh, you know not taking the fun factor out of it. And I I, I don't think he was uh, you know he was. Um, as hard worker as as how Ricky was, um, and, and you know, 
I think uh, results show. I mean, Ricky won 24-0 twice. He won, um, I don't know, three. How many How many Supercross seasons? Three Five. or two? Five. Five? God. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just uh, – 14 championships, uh, four donations championships, a, uh, a one undefeated 125 Supercross season, two two 250 uh, unperfect seasons, one on a, two, one on a 252 stroke, one on a 450, and uh, yeah, just uh, uh, 150 national wins. Yeah, I mean, see, <laughs> if, you, if you sit down and analyze and go That's through ridiculous. the statistics of how his career went is just mind-boggling, man. It's it's unbelievable, and I think uh, that uh, that's great proof of uh, you know. Uh, I think if you sit back and and you go from from the history of the sport, his numbers are probably un- pretty unreal. Oh yeah, absolutely they are, uh, and it was must have been uh, cool to even just be around a guy like that during your career, and uh, and someone that you could kind of like that 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 the everlasting carrot ahead of you to, to help you chase and, and, and it'll elevate your own game. Um, you jump down to the 125 and I'll, I'll, uh, I th- we're going to have to have you on again because I have way too many questions for you. But uh, last one I have for you, you jump, you jump down to the 125 class in 02 um, to ride the CR 252 or two CR125. Um, w- First of all, how did that happen? Like jumping down to the class, how did you like the bike? And uh, at any point, did uh, it, at, like a riding session or a practice session, did uh, did Ricky ever jump on that thing and uh, and 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 pour the coals through it? Because I, I I've never we never actually got to see Ricky on a one twenty five uh, CR. Yeah, uh, you know I did it because I felt like that I was going to be really competitive uh, against. You know Brownie and James, but uh, yeah, you know I I uh, I was a little bit off. I think you know I I you know maybe the bike could have been a little bit better, but I don't want to blame it on the bike. I think for the most part, I just I just wasn't as fast as James and Mike Brown, and and I uh, you know I had some good races. You know it wasn't all bad really, but I, I you know I had a great race with Walker and and James Stewart at Steel City. On 2002, you know, we battled and yeah. exchanged the lead uh, quite a few times. And um, so there were some good races. Uh, you know, Jesse Mann was really strong and Reed and Larry Ward. And, and um, you know, so I think the season really didn't go as I was hoping. But, you know, hey, man, it's like I, I just I gave him my best and I ended up fourth in the series I you know made a lot of mistakes and I think uh uh James probably was the he he was champion and then I Breed was second maybe Jessamine was third and I was fourth yep so um you know it was it was a stacked field I mean we were all um trying to do our best and uh you know I I it's not like the you know the guys that were ahead of me were we're uh, some novices, so no doubt. Um, yeah, um, and and def- Ricky definitely rode, rode that bike, you know, every now and then. And <laughs> man, that guy, he could freaking ride whatever at the time and be unbelievable. So it, it was definitely. Um, I just think that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would just freaking blow the cobwebs out of that thing and just ride, ride it, you know. 
ride it awesome, just like any any other bike that he was on. Fair enough. Uh, and yeah, two three podiums for you on that year. Uh, Southwick with a, I believe, a three three. Where'd you get? Oh, you went yeah. five five two for second overall uh, at yeah. Southwick, uh, and then uh, I think I think you went yeah you went three three at uh, at Steel City for second or yeah second overall, and a podium uh, the, the week uh, the week prior. Uh, Broom Tanga, you go uh, you go three five uh, on the CR CR one twenty five. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the last guys to race one professionally. Yeah, I think you know it was kind of when the two fifty era was was starting to to roll around and you know i have to say like for outdoors man the 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 tracks are so deep and and i think definitely it's 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 better to have all that torque and and uh you know the 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 four-stroke power uh just makes it a lot easier and i think uh you know i I think as time went by that's why you know the two-stroke start and fading away and you wouldn't see him anymore because it's just so hard to get a start. And I think at an outdoors, you know, unless you were RC, if you didn't get a good start, man, it was hard to make up ground and, and make up, uh, um, you know, all those positions that, um, that you lost from the start. Absolutely. My friend. Well, uh, um, Ernie, I really appreciate you coming on the show, my friend. I wish I had more time, um, but I think that just means I have to make you a repeat offender here on the show, uh, and we'll have to chat again soon, my friend. Um, I, 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 I appreciate your, your, your time this morning, and uh, we're going to do it again. Sounds good, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. We'll definitely have to uh, take more time and go through some of those uh, <laughs> fun times that we had back in the day but um yeah thank you and um yeah you guys enjoy the show absolutely uh, I, uh thank you for coming on the show this morning uh do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're gonna cut it off right there sounds good